Welcome to Whacker Slaps, where we look back into the annals of 2000s indie music to determine if an album or band or an entire musical movement was actually good or just a product of the hype machine of its time. Uh, yeah, over the course of our deep research, we've determined that most of this shit is annoying and pointless and no one actually listens to it anymore, if they ever did. But once in a while, shit still holds up. Our opinions vary, sometimes widely, but at the end of the day... We're all lifelong friends who share a deep passion for music, and that slaps. And uh, yeah, welcome to our inaugural episode zero. Whack or slaps. Whack or slaps is the, is the name of the podcast. And um, you know, like all great podcasts, this is a spinoff of a very sketchy group chat that's uh, been going on for years and um, just hasn't died yet. The birthplace of all good ideas. Yeah, totally. Tesla. Why don't we go around? Why does everyone introduce yeah. themselves? I'm Noah Paul Ontiveros. Going full name. I'm Adrian Ochoa. I'm Caleb Chester Ontiveros. Going, going full name. And uh, I guess I'm your host. I'm uh, kind of the keep it moving guy. You know, I got the got the notes up in front of me. Got the dog. Got the structure. Keep us on uh, on track here. Yeah, I'm the wild man. I'm like in the middle, and Adrian, I believe you're the true believer. I am the true believer, believer, diehard fan. I am also the producer. So let's get started, shall we? Yeah. yeah. So do uh, we're doing the first album is Wilco, Sky Blue Sky, 2007. And this podcast, we take a lot from like Pitchfork, what they said at the time and does their review hold up? Does this album hold up? Type thing. So let's hear from Pitchfork what they said. Anybody have Pitchfork review? Yeah, uh, I can. I can give that to you. Um, I so, have a little oh, paragraph. Yeah, uh, I, I, I got that up. So uh, at the time, um, they got a five point two. Not great. From Robert Mitchum, Knight of the Hunter himself. That guy must have been old as shit when he wrote that. Um, Famous stoner, Robert Mitchum. Uh, Rob Mitchum said, despite the experimental pedigree of their new lineup, Wilco's sixth album finds them receding into the comfort zone. The result is an album that exposes the dad rock genre the band has always carried but attempted to disguise. The stylistic equivalent of a wardrobe change into sweatpants and a tank top. Oh, he dunked on him. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Right away, I want to say this was a time in Pitchfork because I remember I was like a day. I still am technically a daily reader of Pitchfork. <laughs> yeah, me too. I like don't really take any of their even recommendations at this point. More like for news, music news. Yeah, but this was a time where I think Pitchfork was doing this like kill your idols thing, where they were doing takedowns of like indie stalwarts from the nineties, and like I remember they did a takedown of a. Uh, a built to spill album they like crushed and there's this whole article about how they were they were kind of taking down these indie bands that they would championed and how it was like affecting the bands because they were that pitchfork was that kind of a powerhouse at the time of like the 
hype machine and they were going for all these younger bands. So that's why I think this is a pretty good album to revisit as far as, cause they pretty much slammed it. I don't think it's a slam type album. It's you not- know, you know, what's funny is I like went way back. Like when I, around this time and we'll get to this later, I was way into the birds. So I went in and looked at like classic reviews. So they did want a sweetheart of the rodeo from like 1997 or like right around when they started and they didn't like it. Cause it was written by like a fucking 16 year old or whatever. It's just like, <laughs> Eh, it's not eccentric enough and they're like this shit sounds like wilco and you know what i think about wilco i don't like him so i don't know maybe they always had it out for him really that's interesting um so let me just jump into a little bit of album background yeah for sure so this this record was recorded in late 2006 and early 2007 uh it was released on may 15th 2007 it's the follow-up to A Ghost is Born, which was uh, also, yeah, it, it's, it was a, I Wait. would say it got mixed reviews. Personally, yeah, I think all, all of us are in agreement that it slaps, but in terms of critical <laughs> analysis, people were not <laughs> happy with the experimental direction that the band went in, um, yeah. which I think is reflected in how this album sounds. And this is the first record with uh, two new band members, Nels Klein and Pat Sansone guitarist and multi-instrumentalist uh, respectively and it also features some additional work from Jim O'Rourke who the band had worked with previously Chicago and, guy Chicago his blood is Irish <laughs> and uh, also violist Karen Waltuck uh, contributed as well um, it's interesting that you mentioned the birds Caleb because before the record was released Tweedy uh, talked about how a lot of his lyrics were um uh, informed by sort of that the simplicity of the birds and uh, yeah. Fairport Convention, um, yeah. but they also wanted to you know some of the bands that they were trying to uh, sound like or at least were influenced by for this one was uh, were the Beatles, <laughs> the Beach Boys, and the Rolling Stones. So Do you know what Noah's favorite Fairport Convention song is? What's that? It goes white people black people poor people rich people white people black people poor people rich people oh boy <laughs> that's a good that's a good fairport convention song look it up uh, I, I saw the um rolling stones is all over this album i think for sure i think this is and this we should say you mentioned the lineup so this is like now what wilco is this is the the classic six at this point classic that, six They've yeah, this is to make the last five albums straight, starting with Ghost is Born or starting with this one. So, starting um, with um, this one. So that's like, you know, given the influences, can we just refer to Jeff Tweedy as Tweedy Bird, but with a Y <laughs> throughout the whole episode? Um, yeah, I, um, I think that that's. I'm going to ap- bit rejected, bit accepted. It's, you know, it's up to you guys. <laughs> and, uh, but I think this, well, let's get into some categories. Well, let's just, uh, yeah, I mean, Adrian had a little bit more on background, so we could just, like, I think that's, like, good context to have, so we could just jump into that, and then, yeah, we can just uh, get into it, as they say. Let's do some background, because I, later, because I think I know what you're going to be talking about, Adrian, the, kind of the commercial crap, the selling out aspect. Yes, that's definitely, that's definitely something we should touch on. We can get into that as we go through the conversation because I think that's very much of its time. Like 2007 might have been the last year you were accused of being a sellout. <laughs> you rock band. 
Yeah, we'll definitely, yeah, we could definitely get into that. But okay, Sky yeah. Blue Sky by Wilco, you know. But where'd they get that name? That's an interesting album name, Adrian. The song. Um, actually, well, yeah, I do have a little bit of uh, information on that. So um, apparently, when uh, Tweety Bird was a little kid, he was coming home from St. Louis on a trip from with his family, and uh, they arrived home to Bellevue. Bellevue or Belleville? I think it's Belleville. Um, Bellevue. And uh, there was a parade going on. So they literally couldn't cross the street to get to home. <laughs> right. <Yes>. And <laughs> I mean, you know, that's some small town shit for sure. Like you can't get you home because there's a little parade going by. Like, and this made uh, Tweety Bird realize that when he grew up, he would have to leave his town if he wanted to do anything you know he he felt like he he would eventually outgrow this small little quaint town and you know i think the interesting thing about this record and that song specifically is you know he describes the experience but it's interesting because it's the album is reflective on a lot of domesticity and home and it's it's something that seems to be part of him since you know since a child like this idea of it's almost like a return to the smaller town because like the other albums were just like the big city kind of like corrupting a person and like, you know, because he is legitimate sober now. This is like his post rehab joint. So I I think it is, it is like, I just want to do chores at home and, you know, mow the lawn shit. It talks about childhood, make a song about like world war two. So I, I'm the king of the dad rock. Yeah, great generation. Represent. Um, yeah, so could uh, keep it moving. So, you know, to put this band in proper context, we really got to ask, like, what was their deal? So, uh, you know, I have Wilco's rootsy Midwestern easy rockers with a poetic sad bastard edge turned dad rockers. It's for the uh, pearl button Western shirt and casual blazer rocker. So, I would add Wilco is to me. I would add experimental to that uh, description because they were, there was a time where they were really noted trying to go for it on each album, like using that Americana template and really stretching themselves. And I think this album, it's just like, we have our fans, like, we know, like now we're just making good rock music, settling down. Like, (laughs) no, you know, it's not like weirdo dad. It's just dad, dad. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, so do we yeah. uh, want to go around and just kind of talk about our personal histories with the band and this album particularly? You can run it down. Uh, Adrian, you want to go first? Uh, sure. Let's go alphabetical. Um, Adrian. So uh, I have a pretty vivid memory of, you know, speaking of small town shit, of going to our small town Best Buy to buy this. Because it was literally the only record store at that time, I think. Uh, Pir- you had to go to a Best Buy to buy it. Right. You got to remember, back in those days, you had to go to a fucking Best Buy to get fucking records. We didn't know what a fucking record store was. Drive yourself. But in the interesting thing is that that with that record actually came an, a free MP3. Remember, like how. Yes. they would sweeten the cd deal by giving you like a free bonus ep 
so I took it home. I remember putting it on and listening to the record and, and downloading that extra song. And then I actually was like super into the extra song versus the record, which is a great song. It's a song, song called The Thanks I Get. It's a very catchy song, but it's, you know, it's a trifle. Uh, and for whatever reason, it took my attention. Um, and then this, it's the this song record... that inspired me to buy a Volkswagen. <laughs> um, and then that this, the, the record, Sky Blue Sky, actually became sort of my soundtrack uh, for that summer after, you know, it was released in May, I think by June, July, it was kind of in heavy rotation for me. Um, and, and I coincidentally started a pizza delivery job. So this was always blasting when I was on deliveries, along with a couple of other records from around that time of Montreal was one that Ooh, I was playing a lot. And a bear person pitch dropped that summer. And I think, or, or earlier that year, maybe. And, and, that one was in heavy rotation as well. And so those, those three records were kind of, you know, what I was listening to all summer. Um, and they're all kind of really different. Um, but I, I really connected with a lot of the themes on this record yeah. that uh, we can talk about a little bit later. Uh, so yeah, what, what was your experience with it, uh, Caleb? Yeah, you know, at the time I probably would have said Wilco is like my quote unquote favorite band. Like I had like a really, really deep investment in Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. Like I heard that when I was like a freshman in high school. And that like really just like permeated throughout my brain and my musical development and interest for years and years. And then Ghost is Born was just like a banger. And Ghost is Born is like, coincidentally, I was kind of, you know, getting little bit more into the you know like the drug scene and uh, so like albums like psychedelic has like the kraut rock shit in it you know so it's like that album was like absolute barn burner just like fucking weird but also had all like the good songwriting and shit that i like really loved about wilco so like deep investment in wilco as a band and um so i got the first copy was there's this kid on the it was my second year in the dorms at humboldt and this kid you're ray you're on pills yeah, <laughs> I was on, I was on pills. Just got out of rehab. No, this kid Ray, who was like a weirdo kind of kid, but he had like so. This is back in the day when you would swap uh, hard drives to get like music from people. You know, uh, this was like 2007, of course. And uh, so like he had an advanced copy of it for whatever reason, and I was just like I was all stoked. I was still kind of into the scene, you know, the little mind altering scene. So like music was like I was really getting some freaky shit. And uh, like music just sounded different. And I remember like listening to it. I was like, oh, favorite band. It, oddly enough, I was like really into the Birds and Fairport convention at the time. Like, you know, that kind of shit. Uh, rooty kind of out there stuff, psychedelic stuff. And then um, I just remember feeling like a little disappointed, if not a lot disappointed. It sounded like a little thin and uh, like too straightforward to me. And like, it was just, yeah, just like the, I don't know. I felt like it had more in line with their pre-2001 albums, you know? So it's like more like kind of like a Summer Teeth reboot kind of thing. And I feel just feeling a little bit disappointed. It had like, it was missing that essential banger and like out there element, you know? It was like, I don't know. It didn't like reach the peaks that I needed it to for my, um, you know, my weed-addled brain. It was a little too sobering. And, but I did like... Um, the Niels Klein stuff was really rad because, you know, just knowing his background, I was like kind of like a jazz guy. It was really cool to like hear him rip here and there. So that was like pretty cool. I think that was like a part of Wilco. They were always kind of jammy, but to kind of get 
all rippy you know that was kind of cool but like, um yeah jam band on this at points. yeah yeah and i had an incorrect perception up until a couple days ago when i listened to it a few times i thought the whole album sounded like side three which is kind of their like more middling songs on this album you know that's like really the, like the dad part uh, of it i'm gonna have to disagree with your detective work there <laughs> caleb <laughs> yeah i'm not sure i can follow you on that one but uh, i i I get where you're. I see where you're getting at. Yeah, it's looking good on this record. It's the top that I'm not too much into. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so that was like, like in in short, I was just like disappointed. I think I needed, I needed more. Ghost is born. I just think I needed more, just like weird feral kraut rock jams. Um, and yeah, and I remember like talking to Adrian and other homies about it. Gavin really liked it. We had like this DVD we watched at some flop house apartments by 7 Eleven. Did that come with the CD agent? Am I remembering that right? It was like this movie yeah. ass like, CD event. It, did, it, it was like it snowing and shit. Also, like, the kicking television plus like the live, like a live DVD. Wasn't that at this point? That, that came was, later. That was like a separate no, kind of release, right? Actually, that was that was directly before this one, and that was mm. technically the first appearance of the full six-piece band because uh, they uh, Klein and, and Sansom are on that record. Um, but yeah, it did come with a DVD, and then this record also came with like a DVD. I I completely forgot about that, Caleb. That until you yeah. mentioned it. And yeah. then, like, they had, I feel like they had a reenactment of that little anecdote we were just talking about, where it was like, it was so, oh. and they like, they showed like a parade or whatever, like stock footage of a parade, and like Tweety's just all like, I don't think I ever saw this. Show it out. It was pretty minor. Like, I barely remembered it. Um, yeah. So I was like, kind of like, that was what I latched on is I was like, oh, it's just kind of like fucking slow and self serious and just like intentionally austere, you know? So that's where I that's where I was at with it up until a couple of days ago. Yeah, Noah, you wanna Yeah, so in? I definitely bought this album the day it came out, probably like on a Tuesday, back when they came out on Tuesdays. Shout um, out Tuesdays. But honestly, I don't even re I think I bought I used to buy like two albums because it was like cheaper if you bought two at Best Buy. And I think I wanna say I bought this and the Spoon album, Gaga, 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 Gaga. Is that the same year? Could that be possible? Yeah, I think that's. Uh, that sounds about right. Let's it see. was either. It was either or. I was going there to buy that one on the, the day it came out, or buy. I think Spoon and Wilco were both contractually obligated to both come out with albums in the same years. <laughs> they had a feud. It was like a blur. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a blur. Oasis thing. Oasis situation. <laughs> So um, going. <laughs> that record came out a month later in or uh, two months later right. in July. So there you okay. go. I think I just so anyway, I mentioned that Spoon mm. album because the only real memory I have of listening to this album was I was going down for my cousin's wedding in LA and I was driving with uh, Zachary, my brother, and I was like, I got that new Wilco, and we were kind of like, eh, let's put it on, I guess. And yeah, it was kind of nonplussed. And then we listened to the Spoon album. And then on the way back, we listened to Sky Blue Sky again. And I think because I was all fucking hungover from this wedding. I was like and driving like down like PCH or whatever going home. I think we took like the coast on the way back. And I was like, oh, this is pretty good. 
And then I swear, I probably took it out of my CD player in my car and put it in like the trunk of my car and there it sat. And I don't think I ever listened to it until like two days ago and then again this morning. No, what was the name of that? Uh, like that place you and Zachary went when you were hung over after that oh, wedding? Yeah, that was the same trip. Uh, <laughs> it had like 140 things on the menu or whatever. It was, just called, it was like the giant burger or something like that. It's called like burger time or taco time or some shit. It had a burger where uh, there was, there's seriously like 70 fucking things on their menu. <laughs> yeah. It had a burger that was like the size of a pizza. And it was like, that was like the giant burger. And I was like, I wonder if uh if you eat the whole thing you get your picture on the wall and like zachary looked around and he's like well if that's true nobody's done it yet <laughs> no pictures um, and then we listened to sky blue sky and honestly i didn't really listen to it i was a fucking huge fan of um a ghost is born like to me i listened to that album probably actually no being there i listened to the most that's probably my favorite wilco album but Ghost is Born is really up there. All that Kraut Rocky shit. I was kind of getting into like Noi and shit at the same time. So I kind of, I like the vibes of that album. This album is kind of like trying to meet being there and uh, A Ghost is Born, like kind of in the middle, I feel like in some ways. But like kind of not committing to either was it's my perception of it. Two of them. It's like yeah. Weedy, uh, Tweedy, Weedy. Tweedy is in uh being their mode and the boys the six shooters the band they're into <laughs> they want to just rock man Fucking yeah noodle they're like tweety needs this tweety needs this uh, that's interesting because the pitchfork review calls that out specifically and basically says exactly what you're saying which is that some of these songs would have been great and totally had being their vibes except they overlaid all this guitar noodling and and you know, for me personally, Noodling, I don't think you have much there either. So no, exactly. I think I think that I think that that's accurate to say that this was sort of them trying to get back, like back to the roots, but also incorporate that experimental feel yes. in 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 a, in a more Going mainstream off. way, almost like you know, because. Ghost is Born oh, had some the mainstream. These songs were there's like four of these songs had like a contract with Volkswagen before the album even came out. And you can you can listen when you listen to it, you can see a car commercial or like a montage in like a yeah. movie. There was well, actually uh, six songs, six of these songs <laughs> were licensed for Volkswagen. And but it, also, it, what I think was going on at that time is this was kind of the height of Bonnaroo. And Bonnaroo was really weird. It was like this mixture of jam bands, but then they had all these indie bands on there. So you had kind of this weird crossover of like jammy kind of free form indie bands. Like my morning jacket played Bonnaroo every year. So like, not that this was album sounds anything like that. That band's pretty bland, but like they were going it, there, there, there was like something in the air. It was okay for like indie bands or whatever to like, kind of have weird guitar solos and just like walk it out with songs and shit. And I feel like that was kind of, that was like an undercurrent that was going on. So yeah, maybe that a little bit more commercially viable at the time. Yeah. And I think, I think it's not, I don't think it's like they were all fucking jaded, like this time we're getting money or whatever it is. I think their most successful album or something like it's up there, maybe like the time it was released. Probably By the like, time it was released, it was definitely had the highest chart 
of any of their records up to that point. Yeah, and I don't think it's Tweety like, I'm going to write a fucking radio song, although I think he wanted to be played on the radio, but I think it's more like he's sober. So he's like, they're noodling in the, it's less bleary eyed and like beleaguered than the last couple albums. It's more like, in a way, it's more focused, but it's like focused on being like the great. Focused on what? For what reason? Like the, it's like the festival circuit type stuff. Like, well, it's like they took the formula and they like simplified it, right? So they took a lot of the abstraction out from A Ghost is Born. And you can tell be- the, the difference of the recording styles too, because Ghost is Born was essentially Jeff Tweedy taking the tracks, messing around in Pro Tools, and then coming back to the band and saying, like, this is this is it. Here's the album. And this one, it was actually the first time that it was collaborative and completely uh, like the full band had say in, on how these songs are written. And so that's kind of why the themes are a little bit more generalized, I think. And, and I'm so, disappointed like, though that you didn't get the, like the sync and faucet solo from Grand Kochke <laughs> on the album that we were fucking promised in the Glenn fucking commercial. Kitchen. Glenn Kitchen Sink Kotsky. Yeah. <laughs> Glenn gets his time to shine. We'll get to that later. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, do we a... want to go into our, our, our contemporary reactions to it? Like, because I assume everyone listened to it, right? No, I just have one thing to say before we go into I, Adrian, what you were saying, this is like the team. Like, it's like a team effort more on this one. You know, like, it's really like uh, Nels Klein. Uh, album almost more so and I think Tweety is kind of the weak link on this album a little bit with his lyrics and some of the song I don't know I don't know because a lot of the time actually when you're thinking it's Nanelle's Klein playing like a, a ripping solo like it's actually Tweety playing a ripping solo okay. so I heard too. you know how you could tell is he invented his own solo for it it's like an onomatopoeia it's like a Tweety kind of solo so like he's like he's announcing himself. You can hear it down there. It's like Tweety Tweety. He's like he named yeah. He created solos after his last name. Pretty impressive. He invented Twitter too, right? Yeah, tweeds. He he, tweed. he called them tweeds, but they had to go tweets. So it was a whole legal deal. Okay, let's. Do yeah. It. He's like, what's up with the price of cigarettes in Chicago these days? Jesus Christ. So that's what yeah. we thought back in the day, and now it's 2021, and we're more we're we're all order and jaded. So we sounds like we were all a little on pitchfork side on this one. We were a little disappointed. We weren't shitting on it, but we were disappointed. I was at the time. I I mean, let's go in order, just to, you know. So Adrian, what is your reaction now? You know, having sat with the album for almost 15 years at this point. Well, it's interesting. When it was first released, I think I liked it more than you guys did. I mean, it sounds like we're all kind of in agreement that it's it's lesser Wilco, but 2007, I was into taking really hot takes. Like I was like, that's like peak fucking hot take time. So yeah. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> we're all correctly. you got to remember the time. We're all in our early twenties. You know, it's, it's yeah. Just, that's when you're like hot takes. fucking person, dude. People in their early twenties are like peak fucking humanity especially like especially small town extra kind of suburban white dudes peak that's when they peak they're the best people to be around the shit i used to talk in my i remember there was a time where you asked me about the movie heat i was like yeah the movie's fucking 
sucks. It's like a dumb action movie. Oh god. Wow, that is a blistering take. Now <laughs> yeah. that was a that was a heat take. Heat, baby. That's what I used to say. Throw your um, TV in the trash. But now, like putting the record on now, I think I connect a lot more to the actually to like the domestic aspects and to like the growing up part of it for sure. And actually, it hits a lot. Yes. Harder in that sense. And actually, I'm, I'm, I've become much more of a tone guy. Like before I was like a, like a noise guy or like a, like a texture guy, but now it's like tone. And this record just has like this golden cued tone to it. This like, you know, autumnal tone that just works. And I, for me now, you know, I think I was definitely, I wouldn't say disappointed was the right word, but certainly it was not, it didn't hit the, the heights that their previous records had for me. Well, but now revisiting it, I think that it's like not for a twenty-year-old. This is for like forty-five-year-olds. <laughs> right, right, and I think that's exactly why a lot of the a lot of the more kind of because um, this record did get some pretty good reviews as well. Like Rolling Stone really liked it, and a couple of other of you know, publications did. did. Yeah, of course, um, the more Boomer. Which voice liked it? Chris Tanau. Chris Gow. Who was the dude with the uh, like the like the Ramones haircut from Rolling Stone? Tommy Ramone. Oh, da- David Frick. <laughs> He's in the uh, "I'm Trying to Break Your Heart" documentary. Oh, that's a, yeah. Oh, okay. which which this is the time. Bam! I brought a prop. Oh yeah! Oh, <laughs> look at that. Classic, dude. I've I've watched that thing. Like, folks at home, I'm showing him a DVD copy of "I Am Trying to Break Your Heart." The Sam Jones, baby. Sam Jones about the making of Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, which is actually one of the few indie rock docs that is worth a damn. Well, it's like a movie <laughs> aside from it. It's <laughs> like a really well-made movie, incidentally. So it's like, yeah, it is. and it has a lot of drama. But Noah, what to to kind of take it off, like you know, a little more tangential. I've been to the fucking record store where the dude who's like, we're from the People's Records in Santa Rosa, fucking Wilco all the way. I've been to that fucking record store in Santa Rosa. And it's not a bad record store. That dude was not working that day, but had it, I would have had him fucking sign my copy of that because I keep it on me at all times. Adrian, you definitely had a wake and bake viewing of that movie a couple times, right? At the old- oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, dude it has that that it is like wake and bake the dvd it's like shot in beautiful black yeah. white, 16 I, millimeter i don't know like, sam jones is i mean he's a great photographer so he definitely has the eye and i actually he's, I, i'm not sure i think he made maybe one more film i'm not positive but uh, i used to do that film back to back with the tweety solo dvd um yes. which had a, which had a few handsome fur songs and some other things that they were interesting because i think that the handsome fur stuff i don't know how deep oh, you yeah. guys have delved into that you i think that dredge that up from the the bottom of my brain yeah that's a blind spot that's, that's been a while which uh, that's interesting because like if you listen to that stuff which is a little bit noisy and a little bit more experimental and weird um they he, they recorded that at the wilco loft and they had such a good experience with that you know tweety coachy and uh uh, O'Rourke that they decided to record this record there so that that came directly out of sort of them just being like hey we're we're feel comfortable here we feel you know this is our own space we can work at our own pace and I think you definitely hear that in sort of the pace of the record you know it, yeah. which is interesting too because 
they recorded this all a lot of these songs in one day like they would come to a consensus record the song and then move on which is kind of wild it's a bit telling i would say in probably gonna go in on uh tweety birds lyrics here yeah why don't you let us know why don't you go uh go go ahead with your i mean is that it for your reaction contemporarily adrian or do you have anything more to speak on it no no i i want to hear what you guys have to say i'm really curious yeah let's go out of order let's let's clear the path noah like scorch the earth bro so honestly i really only remember listening to this album like twice i probably listened to it a couple more times just rolling in my car but so I listened to it yesterday on headphones and it was, I was into it. I have to say there's 13 songs and I think there's a good to great, like nine to 10 song album in there. I think you could shave off about four songs, four and a half songs, maybe cut down. But I mean, Wilco likes like that 11 to 15 song like hour-long album that's kind of like a double lp band yeah that's what they do so i understand that but listening to it this morning i was like okay i'm coming in open-minded and there are some bangers there are some slappers i just feel sometimes it's like you know not a solo a guitar solo does a song make or how would you say that guitar solo <laughs> a band does not make yeah because right? like, like no, i feel like it's like at some points it's uh tweety bird just kind of laying down his little blue-eyed soul stuff and then it's like all right now take it away boys and it's like the jam <laughs> it's like okay this is cool but like maybe a little bit faster a little bit and kind of be done with it a little less airy a little bit but i will say they this album is them going for the dad rock throne in a way when I think at a time dad rock was a nascent term and was considered bad but I think now it's flipped all around where I think that same writer Rob Mitchum I was reading his review of some other I think maybe the last Wilco album and he was saying how he's like he or one of the previous Wilco albums and he kind of even said like Ugh, I hate to say the term dad rock like the, that term was already played out and now it's like it's not that bad of a thing you know like dad's like that whole dad kind of dad movie dad bod dad rock has come full full circle where people are like yeah I like it but I know exactly what it is it's not like surprising it's not offensive it's kind of just there and it was funny I was listening it's to like it. most dads you know yeah and kind I was of like, just there I was listening to one song uh, today. I was playing uh, Kiki, the song, and she was like, oh, yeah, that bass line. Dad's going to go crazy for that bass line. And it is. It's like, yeah, it's like every note of this is so dad-centric that it's kind of admirable. Do you ever think we'll get to a point where there'll be daddy rock? I think it is. Oh, yeah. Like daddy rock? Tweety Bird is zaddy. Oh, is he? (laughs) I want to say, though, I proposed this question to you guys. So the holy trinity of dad rock. Wilco is the dad, the father. But who would you say is the son and the Holy Spirit? Interesting. I mean, it, it's like there's like dad rock is like in a post facto like term. Like, yeah, like Neil Young, 
all that shit. No, like that's I, dad I, rock, I but to be like intentionally dad rock, like of that era where you're channeling or you're kind of like Neil Young them. was pre the term dad rock. I'm talking right, about and so, so existed in the era of the term dad rock. Right. Vibe. I don't know. We could come back to that. But. Yeah, that's a that's a thinker. It's an interesting question. Because I was thinking, Caleb, to your point, I'd like I'm like. Well, Wilco and like the Foo Fighters are almost fighting for who <laughs> dad's like, you know? <laughs> like two different, it's two different paths that, you know, dads take. You got to go full on to like. Same CE holder in the visor of the car. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like if they're playing a winery, the fucking dad is there. I fucking wait. Foo Fighters and Wilco are playing? Fuck. I'm, we're going. Oh, we're going. Yeah. Exactly. It's like a thing where like it's like an Instagram photo and it's like, ah, great hanging out with the folks that it's like some yeah. basic ass people like at a show with their parents oh, or whatever. Everyone's there to have a good time. What'd you say, Kev? I just like that kind of band, that kind of like vibe. It's like, I went to the show with my parents. It was yeah. like at a big winery. Eh, it was pretty cool, you know. It was like, you know, Bring the dad kids. smoked a little weed, got kind of weird, but you know, we were zoning. It was it was chill. I will say, speaking of smoking the tweed, I I think the best circumstances for this album is have a little breakfast, roll yourself up a J, pour yourself a cup of coffee, and just got an hour from like ten thirty to eleven thirty, kicking back, smoking the tweed. I think that's ideal. This is a this is a wake and bake type album. I would say. Yeah, I agree. Adrian, would you agree? Oh, most definitely. I did that yesterday, and it is like kind of slipping into like a warm bath, but you know, or or like sitting by a fire with a with a, a warm drink. It's just pleasant, you know. And I think that's part of why people were so negative about it, or so you know, felt so turned off by it, is because it is so. It's not quite bland, but it's certainly yeah. It's not. It's all in the same road. shade. It's not middle of the road, but it's not off-road either. It's a lot like the album cover. It's just kind of like monochromatic and like... Right. And then soothing, I guess? Of, well, coming oh, off yeah. the last two records where they've sort of taken, taken apart, you know, starting with Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, where they, they pulled apart some of the elements of their sound and, and put it back together in this really compelling way where it's, you know, atmospheric and it's 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 I said more it's yes exactly and then they they took that even further on the next record and then by this they they retracted completely and now they're back to kind of being a band band you know whereas before they were sort of like almost the American Radiohead you know it was what people were saying at the time right oh dude and it is and this, Tweety trying to keep up with Klein on the guitar where he's like fuck I'm sober now motherfucker I could take you down in a in a solo solo off i don't know have you ever seen neil's claw that guy strikes me as very sober as well like a sober yeah, you, off. you were talking about how you were connecting with his playing or like why don't you go into kind of how you're yeah yeah about it for now. sure like i got like i listened to this album twice yesterday and then again today so like three times the past 24 hours and jen my wife she like uh have you guys met jen before anyway uh, yeah the old wife jen um She's like, 
like she's like a late bloomer like what really likes this album but at the time we were not oh. blown away by it but she kind of carried a torch a little bit for it more yeah, and i was always like kind of sticking with my perception <laughs> from like 2007 you know so it's just like yeah no i don't like that album. but like and then i listened to it the other day and i was like oh, that was a lot more familiar to me on than vinyl I correct what's up on vinyl right yeah yeah vinyl double lp and um and i remember i was like oh this album's a lot more familiar than i remember i guess i have listened to it a lot more than i thought i had and yeah it's like I, it's definitely a grower and not a shower it didn't show anything to me the first few times i listened to it, like 14 years ago but like I don't know, because it's, like, interesting, because it's, like, an album, in a way, about, like, redemption and him redeem himself as, like, a father and, like, a, like, a, in recovery and shit, and I feel like a lot of songs on there, like, redeem themselves, like, mid-song, like, they start to kind of, like, they're just, like, kind of duds, and then they'll, like, kind of meander into this cool, like, little transitional composition, and then you get, like, these really interesting leads, and then they kind of do their, like, studio thing a lot so it's like that was kind of interesting so like it had a lot more texture than i remember but yeah, I was and saying- i feel like it's a conflicted album though because there's like the fank what i call fake stank it's like when a tweet is trying to put stank on everything it's like the blue-eyed soul shit he does throughout I had, the I album had for that Caleb in my notes it was uh where was it we- a weird stomper a weird stomper <laughs> yeah i have fake stank and so i think it's an album that's that's a conflict of fank stank versus sad dad and um, some songs are both, and that's okay. Yeah. And but the other thing what's interesting is, is Tweety is like a married guy, but he's a kind of a fuck boy on this album. There's like a lot of like vocal choices that he makes lyrically too, where it's just like, I don't know, he's being kind of fucking desperate right now, you know? He's and I don't know if that was a choice, but that's what stuck with me. But I mean, yeah, overall, I enjoyed it a lot more than I did previously. And, um, yeah, it's a good recovery album. That's like what sucked me with it. But what I really, it's a shame we never got a relapse album from them. I think that would have been. Last one, Ode to Joy sounds a little bit like that. Is that relapsey? I don't really, I yeah, didn't really know. I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to out his sobriety. It's no scary monsters or whatever, but like, yeah. And it might explain a lot. They kind of like, they kind of just settled into that warm bath of domesticity that Adrian was talking about and like did yeah. their thing, you know, but. Yeah, I mean, I kept listening to it and it was just like, yeah, it's kind of a more varied album than I gave it credit for when it came out. A lot of interesting choices. Weird stomp. Definitely, for sure. It definitely zags when it, it, when it should zig in a lot of places. Hey, folks, are you tired of shooting blanks like me? Well, <laughs> get yourself some hymns and keep that shit up. You won't shoot blanks anymore. Shoot it. All right, let's get back into it. <laughs> Caleb, did you do a bump in the bathroom? <laughs> in true Mark Marin fashion, I did a bump in the bathroom. <laughs> Whoa, dude, don't name any names. <laughs> you think, no, we're naming names in this podcast. You think uh, Tweety Bird and Marin went to the same rehab? Um, I think Tweety had more money than, than Marin at the time. Yeah, I think, but Marin's been sober for like years. He's richer like, now. Tweety or Marin? That's a good question. Oh, that's well, a good hey, question. J- Jamie, look it up. <laughs> Net worth. <laughs> it has to be from what's the website you use now? Worth.com, baby. Or yeah, it has to be. It has, both have to be from there to make it. From what? My most visited website. Besides, like, <laughs> <laughs>
All right, let's get into Psalms. Caleb, tell us what, what's next. Oh, yeah. So, you know, we've come to the titular section of the, uh, of the podcast. So this is where we, we all kind of selected some cuts from the album. And we got, we, got our, uh, we got our bangers or busts, our slappers and whackers, you know, whatever you want to call them. If it slaps, it's good. Still holds up. If it's whack, it's, it's whack. whack not good product of its time move on from it all right adrian you go first all right well i actually have listened to this record probably like four maybe five times now in the past two days three days nice and each time these are the three that kind of struck stuck out to me or um, impossible germany is the first one which it's a very weird song and it's very interesting uh side with the seeds is another one which I think probably nails like every bit of what they're trying to do with this record. And then please be patient with me. I just, I think it's just a really nice, beautiful song and it's performed really well. And and the lyrics are really nice. So those three were the immediate standouts for me. Yeah. Um, And honestly, like I totally agree with your picks, Adrian. That's, you know, all those are standouts too, but. I don't know. It's it's interesting because at the time when I listened to it, I didn't like the more austere approach. I needed it to be more textured and out there. But like I've listened to it three times in the past like 24 hours. And I got to say, it's for me, it's the more low key songs that stick the best to me. And that could just be like, I've gotten older. I listen to a lot more singer songwriter yeah. kind of sparse shit anyways. But like, like you are my face. Like that song is great. Uh, really well composed like the the momentum of that song what's the i got that on my whackers well you got you'll you'll have your day in court you can make your uh, make your argument but uh yeah so that like stuck out with me i think it's just like a really patient good solid easygoing song and that's funny because that was like my critique of it is like we need less of that in music but you know i guess i'm getting old so would, would you all agree that we have side with the seeds? I had that as my straight up banger. Yeah. Not, not the best, not, not the, um, not the slapper. Slapper is top tier, but I would say this is my <laughs> low key banger side with the seeds. You guys want See, to- my slappers are your low key bangers. So I got like, you're on my face. And then I got to say the titular track, you See? know, it's fun to say titular cause it has the tit word in it. But other than that, like, Sky Blue Sky is a really good, solid ass song. Like, let's do a snippet of Side with the Seeds. Because I think we all probably have that under our our slappers. I just told you what I have for my slappers, and that's not on there. You don't? All right. You said you did. Because I figured one of you would. But yeah, let's let's give it a go. Let's 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 play a cut from the album. Here's a little here's a little bit of Side with the Seeds. That's the fake stink I'm talking about. It's good. Is he trying to fuck his own wife? It's kind of funny. It's like she'd be all sultry. See, that was giving me like the band vibes, like soulful. I like the organ. I I, I found this to be true. Although I like uh, Ghost is Born a lot, and that's primarily guitars i do like 
for the most part, Wilco with a lot of piano and organ keyboards. Like, I think that's like, I want that in my Wilco. They do that very well, I gotta say. Well, especially this song where it's used so well as as texture, as a, yeah. you know, as a, a sort of an undertone. Like you're saying, it's kind of, it's a soul kind of reference, um, but it just works so well with all the other elements. So I, I completely yeah. agree, you know. No, it's great. And I feel like this album too, just like the way they produced it themselves, they really want you to know this album was really well produced and it's kind of like they were their own, like whatever, George Martin or whatever. So it's like, it's like the, the room is like really present. And I feel like within that, all those arrangements and those kind of soul elements, it has like a, almost like a Stax record, like Memphis soul kind of thing where it's like yeah, very cool. bluesy and a little tiny bit dirgy, you know, like a little bit more deliberately slower and um and i think it like it works it's just some of the vocal choices where you get the fake stink you get the fuck boy tweety i don't know it makes me kind of uncomfortable but like dad's got to get laid too so like you know i'll, I'll allow it adrian what, is there something you want to play a snippet of one of your bangers well i think impossible journey is one that I always, i've always loved that I think that's on um, everyone's list, right? Am I? Yeah, it's, not on my. Oh, interesting, interesting. Uh, well, I'll play a little bit of it, but um, I, I will say that since since the like I first heard this record, this this was one of the tracks that I always have liked. I mean, it's it's very unique to the to, to this record. So here here here's a little bit of Impossible Germany. So, in my notes, I have Impossible Impossible Germany as this is the song where Wilco forever will claim the dad rock throne. I mean, they're they're evoking like World War II in their fucking song. Like they're they're like this is us. We are dad rock. <laughs> Boomer bait is dad what it is. Boomer bait, but it's also like a sequel to the that that Germany song on Ghost Is Born, right? The once in Germany, I don't love that man. song. Although I wish the album started with that song, and we could lose the first two songs in this album. Oh and wow! I, I disagree. Wow, dude, just just with you are face. But let's go through the bangers first. I'll get back there. I mean, I'll, I'll, can I say something about a possible Germany though? Yeah, yeah. Like I feel like that song has like. A thin Lizzy vibe to it, especially with like those dueling leads and shit. Very true. And it, and it got me thinking, like, was it cool to like Thin Lizzy then, or was that like pre-Thin Lizzy kind of like, you know, like Bell and Sebastian kind of cool, ape bro. them, but then mm-hmm. bands as far as field as like metal well, bands and shit. So I was like, where did that kind of how culturally relevant was Thin Lizzy like in the kind of now that you mentioned Thin Lizzy, now that you mentioned Thin Lizzy, I'm hearing thin lizzy all over they're all over this album yeah that's a great touchstone i mean like you're saying yeah. Caleb, the, the the guitar harmonies i mean that's basically what grabbed me initially as, as a guitarist you know i was just like fuck these guitar lines 
are great and they're yeah. played super well and then there's like a couple of little weird solos in this song too i mean it's, it's one of their longer tracks on yeah. here it's you know it's, it's pushed up against six it's a lot more involved yeah it comes Adrian, in at a five fifty seven. head to the yeah. solo, one of the solos on that song i think we got to talk about that solo. yeah i gotta talk about the composition let's yeah let me see if i can cue it up here I think that was Klein. You potted that down pretty good. And also, one of my notes here is listening to that song is Tweety and Klein would have been a kick-ass 70s AM rock band. (laughs) That's what that song is. Yeah, it's like they should. If this album was just Tweety and they were called Tweety and Klein. I would yeah. probably liked it a lot more at the time, and it sounds a lot like this album. So, oh, I do have a side note about that song. Rolling Stones magazine loves that song. They put it like, uh, like the songs of the decade. I think was in the top five hundred. There, if you read the review, I can't remember who wrote it, but he's like, if Wilco ever wrote a better song than Impossible Germany, I haven't met it yet. Or some, it's like rapturous reviews of that song this german thinks it's impossible for them to write a better (laughs) song from impossible germany yeah Um, i think you're i think you're really hitting on something though with with the um with sorry i didn't uh, i think you're really hitting on something with the idea that this is sort of a the pinnacle of wilco of wilco's post sky blue sky sound like this is this is the start of that whole that whole new era of Wilco, basically, with the 60s band, is this song. It's the encapsulates it all. I wanted to get into that because this is where I left Wilco, to be honest. I did not continue with Wilco after this album. And even in the Wilco album titles after this album, you get like Wilco the, the band. You get like Wilco Schmilco. You get uh, Star Wars. It's almost like they're puncturing any perception that they're going to make some experimental it's almost like this is what we do now like we're fucking rockers and we make good songs but it's like it's not like out there music anymore it's almost they took their finger off the pulse i agree with you noah like i had a weird experience where i saw jeff tweedy live and i was walking backstage because i had a friend who worked there and i ran into him it was like right when this album came out and i I was like Tweety, but I, I handed him like three thousand dollars cash, and I said, "Here you go. Now I must turn my back on you." <laughs> and that was it. Like, I, and then I walked away from him forever. What did you really see him? I did see him live. Yeah, I saw him uh, at HSU. I think that was in two thousand five, though. I, I saw uh, Glenn Kochke open for him. So, like at the time, I was like. The Wait, first, Caleb, first his full name is Glenn Kitchen Stink. Kitchen Stink Kochki. Koch? Kochi? Mayor Koch. I don't know. That guy's just like. Oh, yeah, so at the time, I saw like two fourths, a half of Wilco, two fifths of Wilco. That was pretty cool. You saw the pinky of Wilco. Yeah, I actually yeah. saw Wilco, I believe, on the Sky Blue Sky tour, if I'm not mistaken, in August oh, okay. of 2007. Nice. 
where was this? Give us the deets. This was at the Santa Barbara Bowl. And uh, I just recall it being a warm summer night. And Smoke a bowl? Some, oh, yeah. <laughs> definitely. Um, and there was a couple of annoying couple in front of us that wouldn't stop talking. So we moved and uh, the moon came out. It was like a full moon and it was peeking over. It was, it was a gorgeous night. And Tweety was in good spirits. I think, I don't know. I, I think that once these guys hit with this lineup, because before this, they were like mixing it up pretty much every record had people dropping off or getting added. Yeah. yeah. Rest in peace. The dude who looks like Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yes. What's that guy? Jay Bennett. Jay Bennett. Jay Bennett Hoffman. White boy dreads. Right. Jay Bennett. Rest in peace. Yeah, it turns out he was appropriating shit. It was no good. He yeah. died <laughs> we have, I'm sorry, Jay Bennett. I'm sorry for your family, but we have to cancel you for having white boy dreads in 2000. Dreadlocks are toxic, sir. You're dying. Yep. It's like, oh, Hair, bro. I'm glad that you mentioned Wilco the band, Noah, because I think that that is the better version of what they're doing here. I think that, oh, that, okay. that record, the next record, is where they actually so like, something to look forward to. Then, okay, I like it. Yeah. So but that's their that's their next album, Wilco the band. Yeah, which came out in '09, so two years later. But oh, it's okay. interesting because, like, I think the through line here is for at least for my judgment is. They got together this this these six pieces and they realized this is it. This is the this is feels comfortable. This feels great. Yes. And this this is what came out of it. This this record. And I think it was a reaction to being you know labeled too too experimental, too weird. They're too going too out there. By kind of way almost. Right. And so they kind of I wouldn't call it playing it safe necessarily because I think this is exactly the record they wanted to make. And I don't think that anyone can deny that. Yeah. But I think once they got to Wilco, the band, they had kind of they'd been on the road, you know, for a few years. They'd settled into into like all of how each piece works in the band. I think they started utilizing Nels Klein's experimental aspects a little bit better. His, his kind of because he's always been a ripper, a straight fucking ripper, right? But he can also do these textural things and this atmospheric stuff that that they started to use more. Like an um, L.A. jazz guy, right? That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I feel like this stuff sounds too clean. And that would be my, my – uh, that's why I don't love Impossible Germany. Because it's like that almost – it's almost Yacht Rock vibe. <laughs> and I don't really like that shit. I think like if like, you know, cause I'm like a fashion guy, right? So I always think about the fashion choices of this band. So Wilco, they went from jean jacket, corduroy jacket, like Midwestern, like kind of like, you know, uh, kind of like scumbags. And then by this album, they were wearing blazers. They were like fully in like really comfortable blazers. Blazer. Yeah. And we'll we'll think... get to blazer rock much later, if not do a whole episode about it. But um, oh so yeah, Rick, we could go on and on on that. Can but, I, can I hear a banger? of mine yeah so i would just say real quick here this was very interesting read listen to me because if you would have asked me what are the worst songs on this album when i first heard it i would have told you my two slappers i came 180 on on two songs here where i'm like those are the slappers because i thought they were like cheesy at the time but now i'm like no that's just a fucking rock and roll song that's what I'm saying. They give you cheese and then they just kind of do this thing where it turns around on a dime. And you're like, oh, maybe shit, get rid is- of sad dad Tweety. Get rid of be patient with me. 
Get rid of the fucking either way. And I'll talk about you are my face later because that's my dad. But get rid of those and lean into the the bangers, the stank, the the stank. Greased up, dude. I'll give you first, Adrian. Can we hear? This is my low key banger. And I thought it was so fucking corny when I first heard it. And it is corny, but that's what makes it good. And I would say it's Hate It Here. Oh, whoa. Interesting. I hated yeah. this song. I hated it. I hated it here, being in the room oh, listening it. to it. <laughs> All right, here's, here's a little Hate It Here. I just like the vibes of that song. That's like full dad vibes. I feel and like- it has that fucking Beatles breakdown, like like in that yeah. you know, like the in the middle of it. It has like the that- she came through the bedroom window. Right, like that dun dun wow. dun dun yeah. dun dun. <laughs> Yeah. Total it's, pretty, it's, it's pretty blatant but like well done i know i was the same way when i heard that song like i was like I the fuck, fuck are these the lyrics like that part was like i called your mom it's like who writing rock and roll songs writes down i called your mom it's like but it's pretty clever like the way that he turns around and shit so it's like all right I, tweety you got yeah, me i feel like that's tweety putting aside he's like i'm not gonna be sad dad tweety on this song i'm gonna be i'm just gonna be dad tweety. 1970s fucking what gilbert sullivan song or yeah like a seals and he's like he's like i can't be sad dad anymore because my kids need me i just need to be fucking dad and mow the lawn and take care of shit a, yeah happy face and go yeah. fucking mow the lawn my kids are like saying, "Like, what the fuck's your deal, dude? But don't bring, don't bring your work home anymore, Tweety." Think, yeah, but not just the lyrics, which I like now more than I did then. But I think the song itself, like, gets fucking heavy at the end, and it bangs. It sounds like I don't know. It's just, it has like the heavy guitar riffs, like that. I think this album kind of lacks in other places. And uh, I, I totally agree. I think uh, as Caleb was saying, these songs like. The structure of them a lot of the time is, you know, here's a really kind of basic rootsy folksy song, but then they overdub it with some guitars and they they just let loose. And I think this song in particular, they really, you can hear them having fun. You can hear them like smiling when they're playing these solos, but I don't know if you necessarily want them to be smiling, you know, I think... I can totally... In perfect dad fashion, it starts out a little flaccid. And they can't get it up. <laughs> and then by the end, they're uh, boom, you're pumping out a new kid. The blue pill on that song. Yeah, yeah. You're taking your hymns, you know? They're like, I'm edging so hard right now. <laughs> Let's write a fucking rock. <laughs> All right. Did you have another banger for us, Noah, or was that it? Okay. So I think I'll start it off and we can go around what is the slapper slapper. And for me, it's the second song that if you would have told me when I first listen to this album i would have said that's the problem that's cornball maybe that was the problem in my notes i just put i hated this song when i was young but i like it now and i said 
the second half of this song. I think that's the thing. It's so heavy, tweety in these opening riffs, which is what a lot of Wilco is, but it's at odds with the song they get to by the end of it, where they're really locked in, they're kind of groovy. And for me, this song is, if you were saying ZZ Top, I mean, Ben Lizzie was a reference, I'll give you two other Z's, ZZ Top. And I think <laughs> Walkin' is like their ZZ Top song. Walkin', spelled like Christopher Walkin'. If we can hear some of that. If you Noah, I totally agree, but Adrian, can you play the song, but can you play the beginning? And I'll tell you who else they sound like in the beginning. Okay, from the very top. There we go. She was like, this is fucking, was it Sesame Street? I'm walking. Oh. I'm by myself. Woo! Tell him. That's their fucking Nielsen song. That's oh. their jaunty ass, like Harry Nielsen now, intro. I would ask if we fast forward to maybe like 45 seconds left of the song. Where he starts to put a lot of stank on it. That's my note here. He's popping it out on, by the end of the song. I think this song I said, I agree, Noah. I said this song is their prog opus. This song slaps. Adrian, what do you say? I love this song. I have this on my honorable mentions list. Yeah, this is where they get all proggy. This is like Tales from Topographic Ocean. Yeah, no, totally. Fucking great, yeah. So that's my slapper of the album. Wow. I did not expect that. Neither I had that as a as a half and half. I have that as a halfy, I gotta say. I give a shout out. We mentioned the text chain earlier to one Dave because I was like, dude, that Wilco album sucks. That song Walking is terrible. And he's like, I don't know, man. I kind of like it. It's like it gets all jammed out. No, he was fucking right. I was wrong. You know what it is? It's because uh let's let's uh not use names here, but uh Dan Max. Dan um Wellmax. Dan Wellmax, he's a he's a Beatles guy. He's a Beatles guy. So yeah. that's why he really likes this album, I think. Other than it being a pretty good album, but okay. shout out, shout out, Dan. Kayla, do you want to give your head your uh slapper? My slapper? Your top slapper. My top slapper of this album. Head slapper. My head slapper. You know, I got to be honest. I think to have a, for me, this album lacks a slapper. And that's what made it, mm. makes it charming. I don't think it has a slapper. And like I was saying, my whole conflict with this album is that it's mid-song redemption arc. You know, so it's like, I can't attach... Like, yeah, Walkin' has the prog opus kind of returned to crowd form. Slapper? Well, I had a slapper, and it's really not a slapper, but you've, you know, done nothing but talk it down, so I don't, I don't want to put you through that again. Oh, no, no. What is it? This is interesting. What is it? It's- I, think, I think, yeah, dude. Um, you are my face. You are my face. Uh, you are my face. That that's my is- favorite song on the album. Yeah, I'll tell you this now. That's my dud of the album. Well, All then right, we'll that's- kill two birds with one stone. 
that's really interesting. All right, let's hear a little bit of You Are My Face. All right, let's get to some vocals here. Hold on one second. Give me the first verse of those lyrics if you could. That is my main beef. With That's that. what I'm saying is he's like, he's having a go at you by having like these dumb <laughs> lyrics. I wrote down opening lyrics intentionally dumb. <laughs> he's fucking with you, dude. And you fell for it. The door screams, I hate you, hate you hanging around my blue jeans. That's my beef. No. No, not gonna do it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I love that song because they really want you to know that they like, they're just in the studio jamming. They're having a session, you know? Mike's bee and, imagery. That's the thing I've noticed about. Uh, yeah, Muzzle of Bees. I think it's a, it's a recall of that. There's other bee songs too. And I gotta say like, like two to three years later, I got like deeply, deeply into the drive-by truckers. And like, just like that last part we played, it's kind of that vibe of just like, Easy, rocking, competent, playing, dad shit. So I don't know. I feel like this album, I call it a banger because it is like, um, I think it's representational of the whole album. Adrian, what say you about You Are My Face? I, I'm not as effusive as Caleb about uh, with praise here, but I do think that it's not, it's one of the stronger tracks on the record. I agree that the lyrics are kind of dumb but i would say that yeah like caleb was saying that it's it's intentional i think it's intentionally a little bit uh naive maybe it's not quite the right word but it's you know he, he made a choice see i would meet you there too because we mentioned a uh hate it here i think is doing the same thing but he's actually singing this one he's just listing off mother's sister's daughter what are lyrics are just listing off things <laughs> i no, get what you're saying though i get what you're saying uh it doesn't have any heart to it i don't know i thought that was a phoned in dud and i also don't like either way i think that's a dud the first track I think it's a lose the first track start with impossible germany it has good arrangements, but as a leadoff song, it is weak. And if one thing Wilco has always been good at is knowing how to fucking sequence an album and how to start an album. So I, I got to agree with you there. Wow. I, uh, I'm going to disagree. I think that either way is actually like the perfect way to segue into this record because it is a mellow banger and then it slowly unfolds into this kind of full rocker. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what I said. I said solo is when Wilco went full dad rock. Well, right, they, they announced themselves right away. Then it reminded me because, like, look at the first track on the last record, "A Ghost Is Born." Okay, great um, a great track, great lead but off. It, it also sets it up the rest of the record, right? Because it's it's Good. sort of slow and odd and weird, yeah. and then it turns into this kind of more loud, jammy record, and it's atmospheric and it hits all of the points that the rest of the record is and i would say that the that either way does the same thing and it sets up the rest of the record i, I honestly if you want to take it off the record 
if you want to start with Impossible Germany, I, I can see that working. I, I feel Impossible Germany works better. Like third, third is, is perfect because it, it kind of is this epic jammer. And I don't know if you want to start off with an epic jammer, you know? So here's my take five through 11. I think that's a great album. The other stuff I think makes it a, we'll get to the ratings later, but it lessens my opinion of the album. I'm glad that you said that because track 12 on and on and on is my dud of the record. And it just goes on and on and on. And I really wish it wouldn't. But I will say this. The two last songs on and on and on. And let's not get carried away. Listen to your own advice there. Tweety bird. (laughs) Well, okay, so the Let's Not Get Carried Away, I, it sounds like you probably listened to it the same way I did, which is on Spotify. Let's yeah. Not Get Carried Away wasn't even on the original record. It that's was just. I, I, that's what I was thinking. I was like, this is a bonus track. So, wait, what song it. is that? Can you play a piece of that? Just a little. Yeah, so it, I believe. Give me, little, I'm, give me a little bump of that. As the old Kochi kitchen sink uh, drums. Oh, okay. It sounds like a bonus. Oh shit, the version I was listening doesn't have it on here. Yeah, this sucks. Kind of doing a replacements thing. They're kind yeah, of doing it's... a Foo Fighters thing. It's... <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> was Grohl? Oh, really yeah, dude, that was, he was doing Grohl better than Grohl was doing Grohl. But if, I, I Grohl, think... if he's doing Grohl, then Grohl's still doing Grohl. It's like a Black Crows thing. Almost. It kind of does have a Robinson <laughs> brother kind of vibe. Oh, for sure. <laughs> oh dude that's so funny because the vinyl version i listened to at home and then the spotify version i listened to that song was nowhere to be heard and i don't even know if i've ever even heard that song. Better floor. Wow. and thank um, you because i thought that the second to last song was what light and that song's yeah. a dud and a half oh i don't think so See, you don't think I it think sounds like a psa it sounds like a commercial it's like oh kumbaya <laughs> To me, that's a blatant '70s uh, "Blood on the Tracks" Dylan song. That's, totally, that's totally. I, I feel it's a little too like, oh, it's all come together. Think positively. He's telling you this album is. I'm a child of the '70s. Like he's like, walking. He's got some top in there. You know, he's got <laughs> what'd you say, Nielsen? What line? Nielsen. Dylan. He's got. Uh, I think "Leave Me Like You Found Me." That's like '70s soft rock going on noodling noodle alert so an interesting thing about what light it was actually the first song that they released from the record mm. uh, interesting that's a weird one to do first yeah weird um, flex yeah so they they live streamed the record a couple of times in i believe march of 2007 and uh they released what light as a as a freebie and then um the song i mentioned earlier the thanks i get but what when, light what one, heat? That'd be one good. thing I will say about those last two tracks, I think if they had stopped at what light, the record would have ended on this kind of, you know, sing like this kind of full on kind of jammy. God bless you. Right. It was like, it, it, this is like on and on and on. It, it does go on and on and on. It grew on me over the four, it grew on me over the four listens or five listens, I will say. So I, I might include, I might say it's a neither. It's it's not necessarily a dud, but it's not necessarily, you know, complete. Yeah, song. it's just a bad ending to an album. Exactly. Yeah. Um, again, I think that's like a Beatles influence, the way like, what's 
Abbey Road ends with that little like a dumb little fucking song that he does at the end of that album. So wait, Adrian, did you say your slapper of the album? Uh, well, I didn't mention it, but I don't know if I said that this was the one. I, I'm going to say Side with the Seeds is probably Ooh, nice. my number one sl- slapper. I had that. That was probably my second place slapper. It just does everything so well. I, you know, the solos rip, the, you know, all of the, the bands tight. I think one thing we haven't talked about here is, you Caleb know, hates. is what's that? Caleb hates it. What? That song. Side with the Seed? Yeah. No, that's a good song. But you said that was the, the you said it was, uh, what was your term about the fake funk, fake in the funk? Oh, uh, the fake stink. Fake stink, yeah. No, I mean, that's the thing. I'm still like reconciling if I like or dislike the fake stink. I just think that it, mm. that the two poles of the album are fake stink and sad dad. And like, true, true. I don't know if the twain should be, but the they do a lot be. and it kind of works. I don't know. So Adrian, did we already play it side with the seeds? We already did play a bit. Yeah, we we played a little bit of that already, but you can hear a little bit more here. Yeah. Uh, to me, I think it just it encapsulates everything about this band, and um, specifically like the rhythm section. I think the bass player, especially um, John Surratt, like there's such a warmth to the whole thing, and such a big part of that are the drums and the bass. So yeah, it has me, a like, good like sessions vibe to it. It's just like two dudes in the pocket just like doing their thing. Slappers and whackers. Hey folks, we're back. <laughs> so who are your guys, Adrian? Nels. Yeah. Who's he all obsessed with? Uh, fucking Peter Green. You ever listen to Peter Green? He would have really liked this album. Peter rest, Green. rest in peace. If he would have just not gone crazy, he could have been one of the greats. Ah oh, man, you listen to that Peter Green stuff. All right, Caleb. What's the next category? All right, so um, you know, moving on, we're we're gonna we're gonna do a little a little segment called trend spotting. So it's like. The whole like exercise of this podcast is to really investigate the hype machines of, of the time and the kind of the cultural forces that made bands popular or not. And, you know, this being like firmly planted in the 2000s, mid 2000s, it was like peak trendy shit where it was just like every other week there'd be a different movement or subgenre that would just be kind of invented at a whole cloth. Caleb, but, can I add to that real quickly? Yeah, of course. Because I feel like indie rock had such a wide tent where it's like there's pop music and there's indie rock. So therefore you had to market everything with this specific kind of genre. And then you could group other bands together and other record labels. And so it always gets so hyper specific when it comes to the subgenres of indie rock. I believe. Yeah, right. And it was like, it was to kind of keep people motivated. And it was definitely during a time of like SEO and stuff. So it's like, you had to have all these like really new sparkly terms to keep people captivated rather than just saying indie rock. 
So, trend spotting. We've already touched on the dad rock thing. But what I want to talk about is a term that I feel like I coined myself. And um, my, my really cursory search on the internet has not proved otherwise. But um, it's, it's a little genre I like to call blazer rock. And I touched on it. So what blazer rock is, is you could say it's like a subgenre of dad rock, but it's also like a subgenre. It's just, just like very commercially viable, slightly rootsy, comfortable indie rock. So you got Wilco, blazer rock, the Decembrists, blazer rock, Spoon, <laughs> Spoon rock, Spoon is like dance blazer rock. Blazer rock, a blazer and a striped shirt. Yeah, so what I'm saying, and what I call it blazer rock is if you look back, all these bands at one point they moved out of their bad boy like jean jacket phases and just picture vividly in my head why blazer. Yeah, yeah, it started to become not fashionable in a larger sense, but just to play on stage to just wear a blazer, like just like a really sensible, comfortable blazer. Sometimes it had like your professor elbow patches in it, what have you. But I just remember being very like captivated by this idea of blazer rock. So it's like. You know, your friendly, like, boy-next-door indie rock bands were kind of blaze rock. But they had to have this kind of, like, serious kind of heartlandy Middle America kind of appeal. So do you guys Ooh. have any other – who else would contributed to the blazer rock movement? To me, the, the, the initial blazer rockers were Interpol. I think they brought uh, that – to the forefront, I think well, that was, was more than a blazer, right? Wasn't that, that was? I think they that were was three piece. Yeah, okay. So best rock. That's interesting. But, but I think, but within the terms of being popular and familiar, like they would definitely think they would fit in blazer rock as well. Like they had that like kind of four quadrant appeal. Well, to me, it's just they were the first really super stylish male band, you know, at least right. of the two thousands. Because up till then, it was all stroke shit, right? It was all leather jackets, jeans, yeah. t-shirt. But yeah. then they, these guys come along. They're fucking wearing, you know, suits. You know, Carlos uh, D is wearing a fucking skirt. And it's just like, damn, these guys look incredible. And I think that evolved into, like, the national, let's say, and all these other artists who then kind of took up the blazer rock man, you know, mantle, basically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Tweety, I think what it is, Caleb, Tweety's old. He's got a gut. So it's like the Jean yeah. Jacket ain't doing it. I got to fucking wear a blazer. Do you know what? Um, yeah. I mean, no. Who else do you think are some blazer rock bands? And then I got blazer some rock, I mean, you mentioned it. Art Spoon is like the striped t-shirt. And like I toured Europe and got a fucking. They're kind of like the bad boys of blazer rock, which is like the European blazer rock. Like, oh, they got like, like the French girlfriend blazer rock yeah, dudes. They got, yeah. they got tailored. Like, <laughs> they're like see to me that's interesting because i think to me they're more like the blazer on the chair band like they're kind of the roll up the sleeves oh, let you me take, take off the blazer, off the blazer yeah because yeah, they got to get down to it <laughs> yeah 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 you gotta so, work up that white boy sweat yeah so like what it was a fashion choice at the time too it was just like a sensible it was a fashion choice so it might transcend an actual genre music wise because there was a time where fucking Wayne Cone of uh, Flaming Lips fame would wear blazer. Yeah, psychedelic blazer rock. Yeah, Flaming Flaming Lips, firmly planted. I got, I got one for you, Dan Bejar. Dan Bejar, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
what's his name? Destroyer. Destroyer. That's Blazer, like pop, new wave or something. What is that? Well, I'll save it. Save, save. Destroyer. Yeah, we'll save that. But what? I, and we can move on from Blazer Rock. But I want to say what Blazer Rock has metastasized into. It's like it's not fashionable just like wear a blazer out of context anymore. No. What too. what what it is now, and you could see this fully played out by Jeff Tweedy and company is a Stetson hat rock. So it's like <laughs> the dudes have gotten moved on. They're like, oh, the blazer. That's kind of a weird move. But like, but now, brim, but now they have like really nice hats. <laughs> like nice. <laughs> they sought it out. They like they did their fucking research. They hit up some haberdashery in LA. They're like, hey, I'm coming through Silver Lake next week. What's weird? I got a fucking show. Can you hook me up with the, with uh, the fucking six sets? And I'm gonna go back to the jean jacket, and I'm gonna look sick as fuck with my Martin on stage with the jean jacket Martin. Yeah, Stetson look. Caleb, you know what's weird? It's like the rapper Future dresses similar to to, yeah, indie, to, to like middle-aged <laughs> indie rock dudes yeah yeah absolutely absolutely uh, <laughs> all right that was trend spotting that's pretty fucking good okay what's next yeah it was just you know we, we did personal histories but like anyone have any personal anecdotes you know we talked about seeing them live any other oh, kind of like live. who's seen them live Caleb, stories one one fifth right and then I, I saw them live later at a, basically a Blazer Rock Festival at the at the <laughs> at the shoreline. It was like them, my morning jacket, um, who turned into Poncho Rock later. But um, more of like a bear suit rock. <laughs> yeah, uh, bear suit rock. Yeah, like it's like my morning jacket. I feel like Bob Dylan was there for some reason. What? Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was a weird show, but yeah, it was good. Wilco was good. Tweety was rocking a Stenson. Rock? What's like, up? Uh, Bob, get up here. No, no, no. Bob did his own thing that night. Uh, yeah, so I got to see him live then. They probably did some songs off of Sky Blue Sky. I wasn't really paying attention. So I, Caleb, have also seen one finger of the uh, Wilco. I've only seen Nails Klein live, and it wasn't even his show. It was his wife. I think he's married to the woman from Chibamata or something. That's, I believe you're correct. Something, yeah, um, so was, his wife is a musician. Hold on, I will find that information. It was them featuring Nails Klein at, for free at the uh, Harvey Strictly in San Francisco. And they, fucking, in peace. they shredded, they tore it up. Like it was one of those, it was, it was one of those, I call them like crowd shifter shows. Where you get where, the crowd to move based on like how crazy things are getting. Oh, where people are like, yeah, we're having fun. We're outside drinking wine, smoking weed. And then they got so good and heavy and locked in the groove that people like shut up and just were just like, whoa, like this is, they're going, they're going. Which is fucking rare at Hardly Strictly. Every time I've been at Hardly Strictly, it is like phoning it in the festival. Like, yeah. they're like I'm not, they're like, we're kind of doing this as a favor yeah. for the mayonnaise. And then uh, Yola Tango played next and Nails stuck around. And then the woman, Chiba Mato, did like bleepy bloops on the uh, laptop. And uh, they were loud as fuck for an outside show. It was great. It was a great one two punch. But I've never seen, I don't know why, I've never seen Wilka. They're good live. They're very good live. They're competent. Uh, and they know what they're doing. They're professionals. I mean, they uh, yeah. have mortgages and kids. They 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 need to like keep it profesh. And they do. Uh, Nels Klein's wife is uh, Yuka Honda. 
of Chibamato. So you were right, Noah. Um, you guys ever get a chance? Chibamato live is fucking good. Adrian, how many uh, times have you seen Wilco live? Oh boy, um, I was trying to remember this because I did mention earlier my experience in Santa Barbara. I've seen them at least two other occasions. I've seen them, yeah. maybe even three, three or four more um, Damn, times. Super fan, that. dude. Grateful Dead, brother. Yeah. <laughs> I well, as Caleb said, like they do, they are very good live. They they truly bring it. I mean, they they really once they hit again once they hit this lineup man they just fucking go for it and it's really something to watch and like um you're right no Nels klein that dude rips it's like you he's like plugged in with the guitar like and he's doing all this crazy shit with pedals and, and fun fact he's playing like d boone's old jazz master is that correct or oh Mike, i don't know maybe gave him his guitar i think that's wild. I know he's uh, definitely a collector and has a, a lot of different jazz masters. Um, Are you thinking of the night that Dave Boone died? Uh, Lee Ronaldo from Sonic Youth was playing in LA and he was playing Dave Boone's amp. No. Els mm. Klein's first jazz master was a gift from from uh, Mike Watt. And I think oh, it, crazy. I think it was Dave Boone's like 1957 like fucking jazz master or something. Yeah, because they're all like LA dudes. Yeah, actually, if you ever have time, I really do suggest watching any video of Nels Klein doing guitar stuff because uh, cool. he's fucking entertaining as fuck and he's really funny. But yeah, so I've seen them. I've seen Wilco a handful of times and they always fucking bring it. And it's always, you know, a nice mix of all of their records. They don't do the thing where it's like we're going to play like 18 songs off the new record and then two mm -hmm. of the old ones they they mix it up and i always appreciate that I, now that being said i haven't seen them in probably 10 years at this point maybe a little bit less but uh always enjoy who lean into them sounds like around 2007 you saw them probably five times in the course of a couple of years right something like that probably about yeah that's about right five. probably about four times what would you say when you saw him live was like one of the standouts from a Sky Blue Sky song? Well, I will say Impossible Germany. They, it, I think it was part of maybe every set list that I saw. And it always is good. It always brings down the house because people, once they hear those two fucking guitars going. And the, Tweety, they, he's pulling his weight. He's fucking shredding. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, he, Tweety's no slouch in the fucking guitar department. I True. do. I actually have a distinct memory of when I was watching them and thinking like, "Oh, Nels Klein's about to rip," and then Tweety fucking rips it, like, like fucking uh, rips it to shreds. You. <laughs> well, dude, it, it is kind of like that. It is kind of like two gunslingers kind of going back and forth, and um, it's like Weir and Garcia, brother. It's like Weir and Garcia. Get it, man. Uh, I have a distinct memory. Speaking of. Uh, guitar playing in Wilco of Noah. Uh, we we're like in our old like room, probably smoking resin because we didn't have any fucking proper weed. And uh, listening to Ghost is Born, and it's like a particular song where it's like really just like that fucking crisp, raw ass guitar sound. And then Noah started playing air guitar and then said, Dude, when I grow up, I want to be a fucking like a shredder, like choreographer. I want to like teach dudes how to like rock out. <laughs> 
properly like playing the guitar and then start doing all this. I grew up. I was like 23 years old. Yeah, yeah. You was like long past needing to grow up. He's like, yeah, don't be a fucking guitar choreographer. Not knowing anything about guitar (laughs) or how to play it, but how to like mimic, like just like how do you just like go for it, like in that like Neil Young, like Jeff Tweedy, like way of doing it. But yeah, that was fucking uh, fun. Always stuck with me. Tweety Bird's guitar face game, Adrian. Is he when he's doing those solos? Uh, it's intense, intense concentration. Nels Klein has a better guitar face because he's just kind of like it's easier for him. He he kind of like gets in the zone and he's like sweaty and actually you know both of them just really lean into it and Tweety. Tweety has fun with it, and Nels Klein seems like he's elevated to like a fucking another level. Honestly, watching him, it is like he's fucking plugged into the amp. It's it's wild, wild yeah. stuff. Yeah, when I saw him. He was fucking rad. So I got to put that on my list. See Wilco. I, I I'm shocked that I haven't. It's weird. Yeah, that's that's that is surprising considering how many times that all yeah, of us I have mean, seen. Them. They're they're an active band. But, you know, maybe in 2024 or something, we can all, all see right. more together. Next. Let's, uh, let's keep this moving. So I want to say, like, where are they now? I kind of think we covered that. They basically, they're where they were in 2007. Just keep running that style. Okay. I will say I listened to their last album, Ode to Joy, last year when it came out, and a little bit of it this morning. And I liked it. It's, it's, it's almost... I wouldn't say it's sad dad Tweety. It's more like the abstract stream of conscious lyricism. Yeah. I would say it's more of a deconstructed thing, dissected thing. But like the the sad kind of 70s singer-songwriter thing, those last two solo albums that Tweety, The Warm and Warmer came out with, Never. those are good. Those are good. Those kind of rip. Um, they're very like, sing, like singular in a way. Um, yeah. Never did me. you guys ever pick up the record that he did with his son? No. Uh, Tweety and Tweety? That was too mm-hmm. Tweety. Too, <laughs> too, too much Tweety. Too much Tweety, yeah. Too many Tweety? Two for, two for Tuesday. Wasn't it called Two for Tuesday? A two for? All right, so we, we get where they're at now. You know, doing good. Wilco, call us. Um, oh, forever, man. Except so for let's, go into our, uh, let's go into our ratings here. So, um, yeah, in true Pitchfork style, we're each going to go around and rate the album, and then the overall rating will be the average. So this one's going to 10, right? One being the worst, 10 being the best? One Correct. to 10, yes. And you can do fractions thereof. It's interesting. Caleb, can I just have some parting thoughts here? I think sure. we all, in general, just guessing your guys' uh, score, we all liked the album where we all liked and disliked different songs. Mm-hmm. Strange. But well, anyway. I think that speaks to how it's overall a very pleasant experience. Like it, it's not like, yeah, it's not grading at all. Like it's no, yeah, except it's for the last, the last song, the last song let's on and on. fucking sucks. See, okay. Well, I, well, I have one last thing thought about that is, I mentioned that it grew on me. And I think what the issue with that song is that coming after What Light, which is kind of in a similar sort of vibe and cadence, that they kind of, 
that back to back just doesn't do it any favors. I would say yeah. yes. If you if they had edited on one or the other, it would have been great because actually on and on, as it grows into the song, as more elements are, are introduced, there's like a orchestral part, like a little bit of strings that they add. And that that could have been a it could have worked nicely, but I think it just blunted because what light takes I, up a lot of that same energy. I have a proposition for you guys. We get rid of either way. And we start the album with on and on and then go down from there and it ends with what life. Hmm. Noah, Noah, I think that's I think that's a task. I get some get some uh editing tools and make do your own cut of it, dude. Do your own the death of Michael Corleone. I mean, no, I, I'm but, way more down on those first two songs than you guys were, but yeah. I feel like the bookends are like, yeah, like the first two songs are too similar. Five through good, 11. And then the last two songs are too similar, but not that good. So that's kind of where the album leaves me. Five through 11, I think is a nine song good album. Or maybe four through 11. Put in Impossible, Impossible Germany, even though I don't love that song. But anyways, let's go to grades. Where are we at with our ratings? Who wants to go first? I got my number right on my phone, so I'm going to give Wilco, Sky Blue Sky, a 7.8. Whoa, 0.8? Wow. Wow. So I That's give, good. I'm not, I'm not the fairest creator. I give this album, and you got to rate an album. It's not in a vacuum. You rate it against their older shit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I'm saying this, this one is a C, a solid C. It's a pass. It's 7.0. All right. All right. Um, my score is uh, the other end of that. 7.9 is what I'm going to give this record. Oh, real quick. I see. C's to get degrees. So, Wilco, Sky Blue Sky, upon re-listen, Seven. reconsideration, they get a 7.56. Let's round it up to a 7.6. 7. I think that's fair. That's right where it is. I think that's fair. I think that the Robert Mitchum, Rob Mitchum, yeah. whatever happened to that guy? Maybe that's another segment we think of, like, where are they now, these fucking bitter oh, pitch Rob Mitchum listening to this fucking album with his kids and his wife. And he fucking yeah, because 14 years, he's probably become a dad in that time. Lives <laughs> in upstate New York, whatever. Um yeah, 7.6. That's pretty good. Get him on the show. <laughs> um, uh, I'll call his agent. Yeah, I think 7.6 is right, is the sweet spot for this record. I think yeah. it's not it's not up there the heights of their... B&M, best new music. But it's no, it's, no it's, it's definitely not a B&M. It's See, so, but it's not a BM either. You know what I mean? It's so, not bad. It's not bad. <laughs> I'll listen to this album. It's good. You know? smoking tweed in the morning drinking coffee i think one thing that regarding pitchfork scores is that anything below an eight is seen as kind of not cutting muster right but i think a lot of my favorite records actually come in at between about seven five and yes. seven nine what i've always anything below an eight is experimental music or metal <laughs> on that same note what i've always said what I like tend to like better is I don't look at uh, Pitchfork's top 50 albums. I look at when they used to do that, um, 
the underrated one or yeah yeah they do the top 20 that was the list that i actually usually gain more satisfaction from listening to those albums and those hey, Condé Nast, hit us up your seven let's be part of this to your you know 8.2s or whatever well you can't be a part of it haven't you ever done the the people's poll that they do i no, did it no. once no, no, I don't do any of that. Shit I, only go, like, I only go on Pitchfork yeah. when somebody dies to read like an obituary, <laughs> and then um, okay, also like and your your end shit. So we rated it. What was it again? Seven point six. Seven point six. I have a question. So we have to pose the question: Does it whack or is it whack or does it slap? It slaps, right? It slaps. Slaps. Seven point six is a C. Now, if you want to get granular, I will say it's a soft slap. It's a soft slap, yeah. It's a tap. <laughs> it's a tap. It taps you on the shoulder. Yeah, like, hey, hey, have you heard? This album's pretty good. Just wanted yeah, to let you know. Guitar. I fucking ripped guitar. Yeah. Okay. All there. right, but let's uh, let's no, move I on to our to the real the real metric of how good an album is. Let me do it, Caleb. This is my. And I'm gonna leave this over to my brother Noah. Explain the rating system. So we re- we are collectively rated a seven point six or whatever, and we declared that it's a light slap. But my question to you is: this song or this record is 12, 13 tracks, depending on how you listen to it, about fifty minutes long. Would you rather listen to this album or listen to? Carlos Santana's Smooth featuring Rob Thomas 13 times in a row or for 50 minutes straight. What's a better experience? Sky Blue Sky or 15 fucking times in a row? Smooth Santana featuring Rob Thomas. I'm going to go first. I've I've had a considerable amount of tequila this evening, so I have to go... My heart is with the Mexican. Got to go smooth 13 times. <laughs> wow. Wow. I'm going one hour. Catch me tomorrow morning. My answer might change, but that's where I'm at right now. That's no, this is what I'll tell you, Caleb. I'm listening to smooth twice. And then oh. to the last, uh, like, six songs of this album, of uh, Sky Blue Sky. That's, That's eight songs, though. What are you doing with the other five? <laughs> silence. <laughs> Sitting in silence. <laughs> I'm depleting my thoughts. I think I'm gonna have to. Uh, yeah, I think. I think I'm gonna listen to this record and then throw on uh, smooth at the end there because I I think this is a pleasant <laughs> experience, and but it doesn't have it doesn't get the blood going like smooth does. So you need that at the end. Up. I have a you know question, what? sub-question, sub-question. Out of this 12, 13 songs, where would you, because Smooth could fit on this album. Where would you put it? It has the stink. It has the stink to go on it. Yes. I'm going to go right after Impossible Germany and right before Sky Blue Sky. You get um, you get the Santana. In there. I'm going to go right. I'm going to go right before the buildup and walk in and then it's like remix. And then you drop into the fucking like the drum part, like in the middle of walking. All right. Adrian, what's your thought? Where are you dropping this? Where are you dropping smooth? 
I I agree with Noah. I think right after Impossible Journey, you need a couple of you need a couple of so a medium a, a medium paced banger into just a fucking straight up rocker into Sky Blue Sky. I think just that's cool. Okay, so I'm gonna go a little off script here. Is there any way we could hear what that would sound like? <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, do we have the capabilities? We can drop that in later. Well, let's hear. Let's at least hear a little bit of smooth here to, to transition. Yeah, let's do that in post. To transition here into our next. Uh, our next like, I had a feeling that I got a computer. I thought I knew you were going to ask that. That is of a You know, like in the lineage of like jazz guitars, like as a Nels Klein, Santana did make an album with John McLaughlin. So like, it's not far fetched that um, there could probably jammed with Santana before. Right, that there could be a Nels Klein, Santana smooth version out there in the universe. I, I I'm just gonna say that at on, least in the multiverse. I bet you there's a recording of them playing. They're both California dudes. Yeah, I think that's too far off. It'd be far out there for sure. All right, so um, we've come to the nearest, the end of this, you know, game. episode zero. So, who has a game? Noah, you got a game for us? We got a game for you guys. All right, the game master. No, I'm going to turn it over to Noah. Tell us uh, what what the parting game is. So this game for this week is Young or Tweety. Who sang it? So I will give you a Neil Young lyric. Or a uh, Jeff Tweedy, Tweedy Bird lyric, and you tell me who who does it belong to. So I guess if you guys get it the same, whatever, you can guess the same thing. But um, so you, you ready? Or yeah. and, and then you get a bonus point if you name the, the song that the lyric comes from. But I went pretty obscure, so good luck. Should we go around? Huh? Are you going to do think, each of us one at a time? I think we each get, I, we each have an answer and then, and Noah, you know, we each get a point. Uh, okay, perfect. Okay, here we go. Here's the first one. Now that the holidays have come, they can relax and watch the sun rise above all of the beautiful things they've done. And Let's say you. That sounds a little stupid, and I feel like that Neil Young has the propensity to do stupid lyrics like that a little bit more than Tweety does. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Young. Adrian. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna lock in with Young as well. And I believe that's on the album uh, Tron. Can you Trans. Name it's yeah. on his like uh, his rockabilly album. And you named the song. Adrian. You have a guess? I don't have the title for the. I don't have the title. Um, forever young. Plus is here we are in years. Okay, next one. But that was a Neil Young song. That was a Neil Young. You guys both got one point. Here we go. Well, I was about as scared as I could be. I went and hid behind the nearest tree, peeked out from behind the branches. Sinner, yonder st- stands the sinner. He calls my name without a sound to get down. 
That's. Oh, I'm second guessing myself now. I'm gonna say Tweety. Gut feeling Tweety. Caleb, what's the? That still sounds kind of dumb and straightforward. So I'm gonna go Neil Young. Caleb, two points. Oh, nice. Now that I'm saying he's a dumb lyricist, it's just that he can kind of take a night off in terms of writing lyrics sometimes. Okay, here we go. I got a keychain. Good luck charm. I drive a fast car. Got a strong arm. Oh, that last song. You guys didn't know it though, right? No. It's called Yonder Stands a Sinner. Ooh, that's deep. So this one, I got a keychain. Good luck home. You drive a fast car. Got a strong I'm gonna go Tweety and like solo Tweety. Tweety, yeah, locked in. That is too lonely. T O O lonely, and that's by Young Mr. Young. Young Neil. <laughs> Damn. Both wrong. Wow, okay. No points on that one. Hang on, I had a spill. Are you in your studio? Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Next one. Here we go. There will be no failure, and I won't be the last prima donna stuck in a trailer, blasting Fonda on the news. I'm I'm sensing these are all Neil Young. Your guess, bro. I'm gonna go. That's Neil Young, and the song is called like Trailer Park Prima Donna. Yes, bro. I'm going to go Tweety on this one. Do you have a song title? I know. That is Jet Tweety. The song is called Blasting Fonda. Huh. <laughs> so it's one to one. Like the workout video? I guess he's jacking off to Jane Fonda. <laughs> okay, here we go. You all heard the story of whipping that old TB. Plucking and a singing, whipping that old TB. Well, I'm here to tell you that TB is whipping me. I think that's Neil Young, and it's on that, like, the Rockabilly album that he did. So that song's probably called, like, Rockin' Young. Yeah, I'm going to go Young, and I'm going to say Thunderbird. That is... <laughs> Jeff Tweedy. Whoa, what? what? <laughs> wow. The TV is whipping me. All right, two to two. Here we go. It's getting down and dirty. I only have a couple more. My old dad went a walking one day, pushing tall weeds right out of his way. My old dad went a walking one day. Hey now, hey now. Hey now. Hmm. I'm going to say Young. I'm going to go Tweety. Do you have a song title? No song uh, for title. Tweety, that song was called Still Tweeted. <laughs> Adrian? No, I have no song title. That is Neil Young. Daddy went walking. I See, I tried to tie it in, walking, threw you off your game. So Adrian, three to two. Okay, I think we have two more. Here we go. 
Girl, I think we're getting old. My heart's grown colder and your hair's turning gray. Come on, what do you say? Let's put the horse behind the cart and make some hay. Oh, wow. That is an awful fucking lyric. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say Tweety. Oh, I'm going to go Young. And that song's called If There's No More Grass on the Field, Go Play in the Mud. Oh. <laughs> Adrian, do you have a song title? <laughs> I No, I do not have a song title. Oh, boy. Fun for Adrian, dude. You got what? That's tweet. That's horrible. <laughs> I thought Tweety was a clever. The name of the song is Old Maid. Ugh. So oh. Tweety and Young both got made song. <laughs> All right, here we go. Last one. Last one. Put on your fucking thinking cap, Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> I remember long ago how I wondered where I'd go. While the blizzards, cold wind, and snow pounded outside my window. A triplet, I believe. Um... Young? Caleb? Yeah, I'm going to go Young, too. All right, you got a song title? Uh, doing Blow. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at my window. It's called California Sunset. And it's by Neil Young. Adrian, it's a three to five. Adrian wins. Nice. Good job, Adrian. Right. You're an astute observer of lyrics. Not really, actually. I don't pay attention to lyrics uh, often. Oh, we're back. Um, yeah, well, I think that went pretty well, fellas, for the first little go at it. Turns out we all kind of like that album. Yes. And, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how these other albums age. You know, this is an interesting album to pick because we're all pretty pretty much already like kind of fans about Wilco and kind of have a more of an entrenched history with them. So moving forward, it's going to be interesting to like listen to this kind of flash in the pan or just like, you know, hype machine generated band. So, yeah, it's a lot of potential. Yeah, definitely looking forward to talking about some of these records. Some of them are buried deep in my memory, and and looking over some of these lists, it's like, oh wow, I can't wait. Yeah, to talk what about I want to get, and we need to work on this, is a uh, sound, what like a drop on the soundboard is a sound of something being dredged up, like some chains clanking. It's like <laughs> the dredge. So <laughs> like exactly the same thing, Adrian. Man, I was going over like playlist and Wikipedia wormholes. And I was like, these are some bands and records that I fucking bought, like physically with money. Yeah. I have not thought of since in like at least nine years, 10 years. It's crazy. Yeah. I was like, I, those bands are like, it's weird in a way that like, you know, bands pre internet always kind of exist. Like, in radio form you don't like forget about them entirely but a lot of like back in the day what you had to do was you had to look at the thanks list from a sonic youth album and to find out who fucking swans were and a lot you of didn't have the fucking internet and a lot of this wilco album of course i remembered the album but i forgot about the majority of the songs and it was a pleasant surprise i think it's a good you know smoke some tweet yeah. put it on and, tweet. and the thing is, like, with this album is, like, 
you don't feel bad about paying $14 to hear like six really competent people put a really pretty solid album together. What's going to be interesting is like, why did I spend that same $14 to hear some fucking dude in Williamsburg with like a sequencer and like a synthesizer, just like being a goofball. And I actually thought that was cool and that I should have spent money on that. Maybe it's good. Yeah. But, you know, speaking of not being goofballs, our first real episode coming up here shortly is I'm really excited about it. I think it was a really great pick for the first one. And that's we're going to do Broken Social Scene, You Forgotten People, BSS, YF, IN, People, uh, their second album. So, yeah, that's going to be really interesting. And I'm really looking forward to unpacking that album and uh, giving it a listen because it has been years since I jumped into that album. Cool. Yeah, that's going to be great. Yeah, I think it was uh, a good time. And much like Wilco, BSS, Broken Social Scene. I fucking hate that abbreviation shit, too. I say Broken Social Scene. But uh, like Wilco, it also opens it up to just so many people coming through the band. It's a good jumping off point to talking about uh, other indie rockers because they had so many members, tentacles of- Yeah, you had so many greatly mediocre albums coming out of that satellite <laughs> of that band. We should just There's do- There's a lot of cross-pollination. Yeah. Just do all Kevin Drew's Every song, Kevin, all if one, you could listen to more than one Kevin Drew album, I will give you a fucking prize. Well, it's not just the gun, dude. You might be swayed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Going all Rob Mitchum on our ass. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Not to get all Rob Mitchum. All right. Well, I'm walking out of this podcast. I'll see you guys some other sky, blue sky day. Let's have a signature sign off. Uh, it's a signature sign off. We'll just say, let's have a signature sign off. <laughs> uh, signature sign off still pending. Pending, <laughs> pending. Support your local indie rocker. <laughs>